catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Oh, the horn. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, took a few minutes of overtime, but uh, the tide prevailed there in the end, right? They did, man. This is the second game of the year that they deserve to lose. Uh, They should have lost at Arkansas if they'd had a better quarterback. They should have lost this ball game. They were out physical for the majority of this game. Um, lost the time of possession, lost field position, but uh, they did find a way to win. You know, they, they did find a way to win. You know, a W is better than a loss, but um, they they definitely better do some soul searching before this next ball game. Yeah, I don't question that a bit. Uh, I was a little bit surprised looking at some of the stats. Uh, we only gained 315 yards. That's a low number relative to the rest of the season. But, uh, you know, we outgained LSU. They only gained two, uh, 259. Uh, on third downs, uh, third down conversions, they converted uh, 17. We converted 15. And, and I look back on the game, and I don't know when that happened. But I agree with you. The bottom line is the bottom line. The fact that we walk out of Death, uh, Death Valley, you know, with a win is uh, – you know, they found a way to, to pull it out. There was nothing, you know, through three quarters, really through uh, three and a half quarters. There was nothing to suggest that we had those two drives in us at the end, the one to bring it down and, and to tie it, and, of course, the one in overtime. Nothing that we did uh, really suggested that we were going to do that at the end of the game. But, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good, and sometimes, you know, like Stalling said, you know, you create your own, your own luck. Uh, we had a plan, we stuck with it, and uh, there at the end, uh, it seemed to materialize, and uh, we won the game. So I think you just have to walk your way, or walk out of the stadium, kind of tip your hat to, uh, you know, the good graces of football, and and uh, prepare for next week, right? Yeah, and it's funny you say that about the plan. We'll 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 have to spend some time talking about sticking to a plan here in a minute because you know we we talked about that on Saturday night. Sure. But I will I will first say that even though this game was was miserable to look at, there wasn't a lot of first downs. You know, it's it's always enjoyable when both teams' punters have nine punts on the game, right? Yeah, that's not the most fun to to watch eighteen punts, but. But what I did like, you know, as a former, you know, player um, at the high school level, don't get me wrong, I didn't get to play at the college level, but I just enjoyed the f- the pure physical nature of these two teams and and how they just collide. I mean, just just the brutal physicality. This is football, as Saban said in his in his post game conference. You know, this is the way he grew up playing football. This is you know, put your big boy pants on 
get ready to take on a 240-pound blocker and then get ready to tackle 240-pound running back. And so, you know, in the, in the age of the spread and the, and the running quarterbacks and the five wide, I enjoy this kind of football. And so while I wish we would have done more on the field offensively, I enjoyed that part of this game as much as I did that nine to six game a few years ago. Oh, absolutely. And in its own way, it's a thing of beauty, right? And a defensive struggle, you know, part of, uh, especially in recent years, part of uh, the Alabama LSU game is the 18 punts. Uh, not that punts are, aren't, uh, you know, not that they're glorious plays, but you can position uh, field position. You can get a little bit of return game, a lot more strategy. And when you take your shots, in a game like this. And so, you know, the, it's not always pretty, but, you know, you watch a game where both teams are scoring in the 40s and 50s and it's kind of a shootout and you're seeing crappy defense, but that's a bad game the other way. You know, there's uh, there's a little bit of balance where you want to see some defense, some offense, and and uh, this game probably a couple more punts than we would have wanted, would have liked to have seen uh, some more production. But some of the things that we did on offense – were really magnificent, and uh, why don't you jump us into? I know you want to talk about uh, the game plan. Start there, or start somewhere else. Talk, take us into the offensive discussion. Yeah, I mean, early in the game, uh, it was very frustrating how many times we were throwing the ball. You know, we would we would have a first down carry for seven yards. We'd be setting up in a second and three. We pass the ball. Third and three, we pass the ball, and now it's time for one of our nine punts. And Saban, Saban gave you and I a nugget and, and all the listeners at the halftimes, um, you know, going in the locker room when he, when he talked about, you know, we can move the ball on them. We just need to get back to doing what we do. Well, they didn't get back to doing what they do. And he said after the game that they thought they were going to get press man. They had, you know, they had runs called. Blake had the ability to audible to some, some go routes and change the play at the line of scrimmage if he saw certain press coverage from the cornerbacks. And so they did it time after time after time, and it didn't work time after time after time. And so we saw him drop back 46 times. That is more than he dropped back in two other SEC games this year combined. Sure. And so it was just a bad game plan. I, it, I'll, I'll say this way. Going into the game thinking – that if they give us press man, we're going to put the game in our court and our throwing quarterback hands to begin with, in my opinion, is not a good strategy. So I don't even understand in the week ahead of time why they even came up with this that we're going we're gonna to check to a running to a pass play if he sees certain coverage. It's not like he's a drop back passing quarterback. So I don't understand why we didn't come into this game running the ball 40, 45 times, which is what we do, and then set up the play action pass. Well, I don't mind out of hand if you see uh, a mismatch uh, altering the play to take advantage of it. Uh, I don't. I don't mind scheming to a what well, a, a perceived deficiency of uh, the defense. Those are things that we've asked for for years. Let's 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 tailor our offense uh, or let's run plays on offense based on what the defense is doing, not just you know what's next on on the script. LSU is uniquely talented. Uh, we've done that checkout uh, in in games before. You know, Kenyon Drake's touchdown uh, to open the game against Florida was a check. Uh, we've had checks, you know, all throughout the season, and we've had great success with them. There's a little bit of 
uh, credit that I want to give to LSU just being a superior talented team. They could give the look that we wanted and play the defense uh, over that look. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's significant. One of the things that uh, that I really took away, and you know, we saw Saban last year at halftime of the LSU game uh, in Tuscaloosa, and he said we just need to run the ball in the second half. And guess what? That's exactly what we did. Uh, it, it was just a you know eighty percent run in in the second half. And so at halftime of this game, he says, you know, what we're doing is we're wasting plays. And he was very you know uh, dramatic and and emphasize, you know, the wasting of plays. He said the same thing after the game, too, that he thought that uh, we could move the ball on the ground. Uh, We were doing this check on paper. It's a good plan. It's a good strategy. He agreed with that. But uh, it netted out that we were wasting plays. And, And the primary takeaway that I have there is that we didn't change course. Even though that was Saban's opinion, we didn't change course from the first half to the second half, and we can argue sort of the merits of changing the course. But here's the nugget that I want to I want to pinpoint. Clearly, for whatever talk, whatever uh, articles have been written, clearly Lane Kiffin is calling the plays. They're not being run through Saban. They're not check with me plays. He uh, Lane Kiffin is calling those plays. Uh, if 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 Saban were to have wanted to jump in we would have run the ball uh, last year being a prime example. And so I think Kiffin has more autonomy, good, bad, or indifferent. The observation is that he has more autonomy in what we run than prior offensive coordinators. And I just find that very interesting. Well, and I think that's something to do with, you know, the pedigree that, that he bring that he, that he, that he comes with when he comes to Alabama or the perceived pedigree you know, there are people that will have differences of opinions on 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 what what he does bring to the table. Sure. Um, I, I think that he – I think he's very good at bringing a lot of people involved – getting a lot of people involved in the offensive game plan. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes it's um, – it can be overdone. And so you and I even made a comment getting to watch this game to, together in person how – it almost seemed like there's been so much criticism about Amari Cooper getting, you know, um, 80% of the throws his way sure. that they tried to compensate the other direction and see how many other guys they could get worked into the game. And I don't know if that took away from their focus on what we do best because, like, you know, I had a I had a, a buddy of mine uh, I was talking to yesterday who who made a comment. He's like, man, he's like, you know, we're just too much in the shotgun. I was like, you know, I agree with you. He said we need to be back under center more. I mean, one of our best strengths is the play action pass, and the way that play action pass works is because you've pounded them for two or three quarters, and now you've set them up. Well, we're not even running the play action pass. We're just in the shotgun doing some zone read play action, if best. Um, but we're predominantly just throwing in the shotgun and we're not even rolling him out in the flats where he's comfortable. I mean, how many times do you think we rolled him out in this ball game? Two or three? Yeah, we didn't roll him out that, you know, it was more of those quick hit, uh, quick hit from the line of scrimmage, you know, check downs uh, that, that we were running. Yeah, we didn't roll him out a lot. We didn't establish the run as much as, as I would have liked, but there, but I'll say this though. 
and uh, and I will be alone on this island, and that's fine. You and I watched the game, and I commented several times during the first half that I thought we were just inches away from really separating ourselves. You know, we were a dropped pass here or uh, just an, just two inches of separation there to completing some of these passes. Uh, I am not going to blame the, the, the officials. There were good and bad calls both ways. I think in this game it was, it was a wash, but there were some uh, pass interference penalties. You know, De- DeAndre uh, w- would have caught a touchdown uh, on a fade if, uh, if his uh, hand wasn't being held by the defender. And so, again, that's just an example. But I thought through the first half that, man, we were, we were just so close to opening this, this ball game up. Uh, it felt like we had the potential to just start clicking and uh, running an offense similar to, you know, like we did against uh, Florida. Uh, maybe not A&M, but, uh, a, you know, a little bit uh, uh, Florida or the first half against Tennessee that we were just that close to uh, really putting some points on the board. It never happened, but um, that's how I felt through the first uh, the first half. Now, getting into the second half is a whole different ballgame because the third quarter – uh, and I want to talk about this when we get to defense, but the third quarter was the LSU show. Uh, you know, we had two three and outs. Uh, we held the ball for, you know, just over two minutes, and they had the ball the whole rest of the quarter. Uh, at that point, the tone uh, kind of changed a little bit. I would have liked to have seen us run more in those possessions, not so much to move the ball, you know, down the field, but just to eat some clock so our defense could rest. But oh, sure, you know, that starts to be a, a, a different story. Again, I think we were close to opening the game up, and so there's part of what we did that I really, really like. Uh, I could have, I would be very happy taking, you know, eight or ten of those passes though, and then putting them back in the run ledger. I would like to have seen that, and I know you would pick a bigger number, much bigger, uh, number. and so directionally bigger we'd both like to see more run. Uh, you would move over more into that bucket than me, but um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen more run. Uh, you know, establishing that uh, early in the game, I do think that can make the the passing more effective. Uh, you know, kind of one can feed off the other. I do think if we had hit some of these passes that we were just off by inches, though, that would have opened up the running game as as well. And so, you know, if we had some of those three and outs, hit a couple of those passes, and now we get six, seven, eight, nine play drives, I think we do start to see more of the run. So, uh, I, yeah, but- I think we tried to pass to set up the run, but we didn't complete the pass. But you don't pass to set up the run with a former running back who's a running quarterback. I'm sick of the dink and dunking. Okay, that's the most. That's the best way I can say it. Sure, the dinking and dunking is getting old. And Gary Danielson put up that great chart, almost like basketball, when you show the missed shots. And I loved it when he showed all the black X's of all the missed passes. And he said. They haven't completed a pass over 10 yards, and that was in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the third quarter or the beginning fourth quarter, he showed it again. They still haven't completed a pass over 10 yards. How are you going to back up the defense when you're just dropping balls that short? And I'm sorry, Blake Sims has not shown that he can consistently connect on passes greater than 10 yards. He hasn't shown that he can do it. And so I will tell you real quick that when you have a quarterback like that, you do not do the pass to set up the run. I think Lane Kiffin is thinking he has got a you know former USC quarterback with a rifle arm, so I'm going to do the pass to set up the run. 
you know who you've got, man. You recruited this kid. And so, so, so my biggest problem is, is that you come into the third quarter, they get the ball. They have a long drive. They eat up time on the clock. They get a field goal. Okay. They tie the game. This goes back to your point. 12 play drive, seven minutes off the clock. Based on what Saban had told us, we should have come out there and we should have done what we do. So on first down, we rush TJ Yeldon. He gets two yards. Second and eight, we throw the ball to Amari Cooper. He gets seven yards, David. It's third and one. And oh, by the way, we're starting off at the 35-yard line. So it's third and one at our 44-yard line. And what do we do? We pass. Alabama does not pass on third and one from their 44-yard line. That is not the identity of the University of Alabama. If we run the ball on third and one there, that is what we do. And next thing you know, they wouldn't have had the ball for 14 minutes in the third quarter. Yeah, I feel like we're arguing against each other but making the same point. Uh, I I would, uh, you know, situationally, you know, eight or ten, you know, maybe 12 of those passes I would have – uh, I would not have allowed the check down. It's third and one. We're not going to check that down. We're gonna we're gonna run uh, in that situation. So uh, especially when you consider that LSU came into the game ranked uh, number sixty three nationally, uh, stopping the run. Uh, I would have uh, yeah. Let's take the opportunities to check down when they present because we have had success doing that. Let's also recognize that this is a defense that's better than what we've played. Uh, before uh, they're good at uh, the press coverage, where you know other teams do not play it a lot and certainly don't play it uh, as effectively. Uh, it is part and parcel of what LSU does. It's part of who they are. Uh, and so when we find that we're not hitting on that, let's go back to this run because we we know, or at least we have a, a confidence there that uh, that we can make hay. We should have operated from the confidence of we think that we can do both against this team. And so let's do both against these teams. And I think we just got happy, uh, you know, checking out. And uh, that just never really uh, that never really materialized. Now, I'll say this though about Blake: when it came push came to shove, I, I think he showed a great amount of poise, a great uh, amount of leadership, took control of the huddle. And, uh, you know, two, you know, we said we haven't completed passes over, you know, 10 or 12 yards, but he completed two of those uh, on the drive to set up the field goal. And then, of course, the, the play uh, in, uh, in overtime or the plays in overtime as well. So we went the whole game. It kind of goes back to uh, we didn't show anything that would suggest that we were capable of doing what we did at the end, but we did what we did at the end. And uh, I'm going to give a lot of credit to the quarterback for leading the team in that situation. Oh, you, and you know, people are criticizing the LSU defense for playing prevent there. I would have played prevent too, because y'all sure. had not shown me anything that that prevent's not going to work, right? Keep everything in front of me because you haven't shown me anything yet. And so, you know, your comment about the about the number of passes. I wonder if it's a, if it's a situation where they gave Blake Sims too much autonomy, okay? And so what I mean is is when you talk about the number of pass plays, and I agree with you, how many times was AJ McCarron, who won three national championships as quarterback, how many times did we talk about his final stat line was twenty completions, thirty passes for two hundred twenty yards, right, or two hundred and fifty yards? It wasn't anything sexy. 
but it was 30 dropbacks. And so, yeah, he dropped back about 16 times too much. And yeah. so I just think early in the game, they gave him too much autonomy to check out of plays. Now, I think at the end of the game, the reason he looked so good is because it was a no-huddle, two-minute offense, and he's done that a thousand times in the few months he's been quarterback. And so that repetition, I think he's very comfortable with that. Yeah. And so I even said to you during the game, I said, you know, I wonder why we didn't try to run two-minute offense sometime earlier in the game. Just to change up the rhythm, right? Change up the approach. Change up the, you know, change up how we're doing things. Because what we were doing was not working. I wish we'd have shown some two-minute offense earlier in the ball game. Sure. No, I don't. I don't dispute that. I'm. I'm. I'm fine with that. Uh, take us somewhere else. Where you want to go? Where you want to go next on offense? Uh, uh, I know you want to unleash on. Uh, uh, you know, giving us some Brandon Green love. Uh, we can talk about Amari. Uh, take us. Uh, take us to our next topic. Man, let's let's start with Amari Cooper. Um, he obviously had a couple drops on uh, on some good passes by Blake Sims that would have been first downs <clears> in the <throat> ball game. He he had you know he dropped a couple balls, but you and I specifically talked about uh, one third down play that he made um, on the sideline. And uh, I'm gonna let you set this up for the listeners because because you enjoyed breaking it down during the game. But um, talk a little bit about that sideline pass route that he ran. Well, you know, there were a couple of plays that Amari made that we just, you know, we just did the the DVR back and forth and watched them, watched them several times. Uh, he was in tight coverage, uh, you know, had tight coverage on him on on the sideline. And, you know, I wish we had a video sort of uh, a companion to go with what we're talking about here. But but he turned. Uh, his back to the sideline, uh, to you know, facing uh, facing back uh, towards uh, towards Sims, and with his uh, his inside hand, he gave just a little nudge uh, in between the arms, in between the shoulder pads uh, of the defender. Just gave a little bit of nudge, uh, a little bit of push, and then spun to the outside and caught the ball almost kind of over his shoulder, and so he created just you know, two inches of separation with a push. It wasn't like a Michael Irving push off or something, but it was, you know, just a little bit of a nudge push followed by a quick turn and uh, created the separation. It was a beautiful pass uh, that Blake made to put it in a very small, tight uh, window. And I think we'd be kind of a both, both agree there that that was, uh, that was evidence of what Blake can do uh, with that play. But uh, it was, uh, you know, we kidded. Uh, the play was on the sideline, and and uh, you know, I I kind of kidded. Well, who does that remind you of? And I was thinking Kevin Norwood. You know, successful on the sideline uh, against LSU. But you went straight to kiss, uh, Chris Carter. You know, uh, hollow, uh, NFL, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, right? Where uh, he made just little, very subtle plays like that. And we talked about, you know, this is a play that uh, the GMs and the scouts. When they really start looking at brass tacks on players, they're going to say, you know what? That's an NFL caliber push off. That's an NFL caliber play where he uh, is in very tight coverage along the sidelines and is able to to use a little bit of craftiness and his body to create the necessary separation to uh, to catch a ball. That was just a phenomenal play. No, it was, man. Um, you know, before we uh, before we talk about Brandon Green. 
let's uh, let's spend a couple minutes talking about the the offensive line. I just wanted to mention that you know I I thought that the freshman came in uh, with his banged up ankle, and uh, I thought Cam played pretty well. Uh, you know he had that false start at the beginning of the game that the ref missed, but um, he had to go up against you know some talented defensive ends for you know LSU and Rasco and Hunter, and and I thought that he played well. Um, I also thought that Austin Shepard showed some good grit. He got hurt early, as you and I saw on that play in the flats to the right, and uh, he was hobbling pretty good on his knee in the first quarter, uh, but he didn't come out of the game. I thought we were going to see Grant Hill, and uh, he stayed in there and and sucked it up. And So I just wanted to give kudos to the offensive line because we didn't see any backups come in the game. The, the five that started the game you know, made it through the whole ball game. Yeah, they really did, and uh, I thought they acquitted themselves well. I I think, and and again, I don't want to go back to we should have run the ball more, but I think the offensive line could have played even better than they did had they been given the opportunity to really uh, prove themselves. When you run a lot of quick uh, outs to the sideline, you can do that a lot of times to help your offensive line, and so maybe – Maybe that was part of what we were thinking with a couple of tackles that were that were dinged, and so that's a fair thought. But uh, I would have liked to have seen them plow the ball, you know, get some drive blocking. I think that um, again, I think we would have had success there. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Kind of hats off to uh, the offensive line, and you know, let's talk about uh, I guess a former uh, big ugly in the way of uh, Brandon Green. You've been asking for him for weeks. We even got a shout out. Uh, on Facebook, uh, you know, podcast guys, how you like Brandon Greed now? Uh, because you know, people know that uh, you've been calling for him. So I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna sit back and light a light a cigar and listen to you pontificate on uh, Brandon Green here. Man, uh, everybody, you know, most of these guys listening know who he is. You know, they, these are the kind of guys you need in the football program. These are the kind of guys that are the unheralded guys. They're the practice guys. You don't see him on Saturdays for the most part. And so this is a guy that's been tossed around, right? I mean, this is a guy that came in with the pub at offensive line. Then he got moved to tight end. Then there was rumors that he was going to leave the program. Next thing you know, he's back at tight end, but he's third on the depth chart. Well, this is a guy that has got skills. I mean, this is a guy that's a you know 300-plus pound guy who looks the part of a tackle who, you know, gets called on to come in in a crucial situation in a great play call by Lane Kiffin, okay? So as much as Lane Kiffin frustrated me with his dink and dunking, this was an awesome play call. This is the kind of crap that you and I love to focus in on. And so you take Cam Robinson and you put him over here in the, in the slot to the right, and the cornerback is pointing to him like, guys, who is he? What is he doing over here? And you got him jumping up and down like he's doing jumping jacks toward Blake. And, and, and you got Brandon Green lined up as an eligible tight end at left tackle spot. And just a great formation. And he runs down the hash where we want the <laughs> – you know, I've been, I've been calling for tight end down the hash all year, and I didn't think it was going to be Brandon Green. That's not who I envisioned. Well, the, you, you got go the ahead. mother load on this play, right? Because you were like, where's Brandon Green all day? You were like, where's Brandon Green? Where's Brandon Green? All season you've been asking for Brandon Green. All season you've been asking for the tight end down the hash. You got, you got, 
you know, Brandon Green lined up on the line of scrimmage as if he's going to block, and he runs down, uh, down, down the hash to catch a pass. I mean, you, I mean, you were like on a sugar rush, right? Dude, it was awesome, man. And then Blake put the ball to Blake's credit. Blake hit him in stride. He threw the ball in a great spot for a big man to catch it. But I'm going to tell you, if you go line up every 300 pound guy that is a lineman offensive lineman in college football and you do that same go route, nobody is going to look as cool as he did catching that ball. <laughs> I'm sorry. The dude looked, he looked agile. He looked quick. He caught the ball with his hands, not his body like you're taught to do. And then the boy went toward the goal line. If the boy would have just lowered his head and just let that guy ride on his back in the end zone, he would have got him a touchdown. Yeah, he was very close uh, to getting a touchdown. I think that's the offensive lineman coming at him where, uh, you know, he's not uh, – his mentality is not to run through someone. It's more to, to stand him up. And uh, and so the, the way he hit uh, and then kind of let the DBs – and I think it took three or four of them to finally bring him down. But I think if he had, uh, uh, you know, a little more experience catching the ball and, uh, you know, experience with the ball in his hand where he just cradle it and you lower your shoulder and uh, you know launch yourself into the end zone, uh, I think you probably would have gotten in. But, uh, yeah, you got to be pleased with a kid to make a play like that. And I love that, you know, not only just the design of the play where you've got the tackle, uh, Cameron Robinson, out uh, out wide, and, uh, and, you know, and he's on the line of scrimmage, and so he's covered up. So he is not even an eligible uh, receiver. And then he steps back, you know, as if, you know, hey, I'm open, give me the ball. Uh, that's that's going to draw some attention. You've got three vertical routes going on, and so that's going to stress the defense, get the DBs kind of cleared out. And then you've got the, you know, lined up at the tackle position. He's just a tackle tackle, tackle eligible. You've got the right tight end running that. Because there's the whole psychology of, well, he's always kind of been a tight end, and he's always kind of been a tackle, and he's been kind of flip-flop back and forth, and so now he's lined up at tackle. You're not expecting him to do something. And what's funny, and we looked at this a number of times as well, you know, the defensive end or linebacker that that's on him, like parouettes out of the way because he doesn't want to be run blocked by Brandon Green. And uh, Brand, Brandon Green's not coming to, to block you. He's releasing down the line of scrimmage. And by the time the defender realizes, ho, 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 he wasn't coming for me. He's running a route. You've got those two yards of separation, and that's all the big man needed. Oh, sure. And, and you know, when he caught the ball and proceeded to get bull rushed by three guys hanging on for dear life, they were all trying to strip the ball. Sure. And so here's another thing that took a lot of composure on his part, to have the awareness to put both hands on the football and say you're you're not ripping this out of my dead arms, right? Just because how how many linemen you know try to pick up a fumble right and they lose the ball, and so I give him as much credit for the awareness of okay I'm not going to score a touchdown but they're going to get me down here at the five yard line. Yeah, and and that speaks to he, he is uh, he's a converted you know tackle I get it but he is a tight end and so he spends time with the tight ends. And, uh, you know, he practices, you know, catching the pad, uh, the passes. And so, you know, he doesn't have his hands all, you know, crazy taped up and all his fingers are broken, you know, this point in the season. You know, he showed some very soft, uh, some very soft mitts and he was able to wrap that ball up. So 
uh, yeah, that was a very impressive uh, play. And I just like the creativity that we demonstrated there. I think the team was surprised when when we called the play. But, uh, you know, they you know, it, it apparently it's been working well during practice. And so, uh, yeah, that was fun to see. And, and it is just it's a kind of a peek at. Yeah, I wonder what else we've got up our sleeves in uh, situations like that. So, well, it uh, makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if you know if this game would have gone the way we expected it, right? A two touchdown victory. I mean, last year we won thirty-eight to seventeen. Right. You know, we didn't expect the game to be this close. You wonder if that play was, you know, out there for this is our top go-to play. You know, it's going to be used against LSU or Mississippi State or Auburn. Right. Makes you wonder if you'd have seen that play against Mississippi sure. State. Yeah, we've got one shot at this, right? Yes, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna use it when we need it, and you know, and in what perfect time to use it? First play of an overtime. No, absolutely. I also want to talk real quick after that play. You know, Leon Brown comes in there and he cleans up uh, Quan Alexander, one of the middle linebackers. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary was was you know. Alexander wasn't even near uh wasn't even near the play and he proceeds to clear him out he gets a penalty backs us up now it's second and long and on the very next play you know we've got to call Derek Alexander's number and uh, cuz TJ Yeldon is is hurt at this point and so on the very next play and what should have been first and goal at the 1 yard line right. is first and goal at the 15 and so the very next play call is Derrick Henry rushing to the left, and he shows the physicality that we had been asking for all ball game. Yep. And he runs very physical and gets eight yards, David, and gets to the seven, and so now we're second and two at the seven. That got us back into where we needed to be to get that touchdown. Right. So I just, I just, I just wanted to, I just, you know, that, that was a huge thing for us that, that I'm so happy that the Alabama coaching staff there went to a run is, I guess is what I'm trying to say, as opposed to throwing the ball first and goal at the 15. Right. Right. What, what else on, what else on offense jumped out at you? I'm, I'm ready to go to mini game ball on offense unless you've got something. No, man, uh, you should let me take your mini game ball, put it with my mini game ball, because, you know, this guy is too big for just one mini game ball. But but there is no other mini game ball besides Brandon Green. I mean, that is his first catch as a collegiate football player. Uh, it will probably be his last catch as a collegiate football player. And uh, just so happy for this kid that he was able to do it in Death Valley, and we were able to give them loss number five under the big lights. Well, I tell you what, I I love me some Brandon Green, and I I certainly enjoyed that play. But uh, I'm going a little different direction on on the mini game ball. Uh, I'm giving it to a, a player that that we know by name, but what he did was the uh, the small stuff, the little things. Do the little things. It was the little thing that uh, is winning him the the mini game ball. We went through this with very little mention of DeAndre White, and of course, his spectacular catch, you know, for the touchdown in overtime. You, you know, you just can't argue with that. But what what was beautiful on that play design was Chris John Jones. And so Chris John Jones is getting my mini game ball. They lined up. One is the outside receiver, uh, one in the slot. They ran a little uh, a little X pattern. And uh, Chris John, and it, it is almost reminiscent of the Notre Dame game against Florida State where uh, clearly they ran a, a pick 
and uh, and the wide receiver was you know drive blocking, and so you have to throw that flag. But Chris John Jones run, runs, uh, and so the you know the defensive backs have to cross as well. He runs, he projects where uh, 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 White's man's going to be, and uh, you know doesn't put his hands on him necessarily, but there's a, a little bit of a bump slows the defender down while he runs around sort of the underneath uh, garbage. Christian turns uh, as if he is trying to make a play uh, for the ball, and so he sells it. And so rather than getting a flag and just running it sloppy like Notre Dame does, he sells it, which creates the separation for uh, DeAndre. So I'm giving my mini game ball for him doing his job in such a way that he's not flagged. No, that's that's a great call. And I also want to mention on Chris John Jones that we said a few weeks ago that, you know, is he pressing it on the return game because his number's not getting called on the offensive side of the ball? Well, that catch he made in, in overtime where he had to uh, catch that ball and get his hands underneath that ball when it was, you know, yes. down yes. on the ground? Yes. Guess yes. what? Um, LSU's player missed it three times doing that. Yep. And so uh, that was another critical play that he made. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see it for the senior. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was a phenomenal catch. I'm glad you called that out. Well, let's flip the field. Uh, talk to us about defense. You know, at, at first glance, you know, LSU's old school, man. They're, 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 they're the fullback. They're the two tight ends, sometimes three tight ends. And they're just the pounded at you. And so, you know, you – you look at the stat sheet and you say, oh, my gosh, they rushed for 183 yards. What are we doing? This is not Alabama defense. Well, guys, they got a huge offensive line. They got a 245-pound tight end. They got a 250-pound running back. Yeah, they rushed it 183 times, 183 yards, but it was on 56 yes. battering ram shots. Yep. So when you look at it that way, it looks a little different. Sure. So first of all, that's three yards a carry against a team that is built to wear teams out in the fourth quarter. Gary Danielson called it best. He said, this is their MO. They've told me that they wait for the fourth quarter so they can do this. Well, guess what? I sat there and didn't have the faith in the fourth quarter and thought two or three times after some of those nine punts of ours that the game was over. Yep. Because they got the ball with six minutes left in the, or seven minutes left in the game and then five minutes left in the game and then three minutes left in the game. And it was all really good field position, David. Sure. And I was like, man, we've been on the field for 30 plays in the third quarter. This defense has got to be wore out. You know what? We still found a way to make a play. Did they drop some passes that could have been first downs? Sure, they did. They shouldn't have thrown it to who they did, but that's their, that's their problem. But on the running plays, we found a way to, to stand up and, and take on another battering ram, and so kudos to this defense. Well, I'll tell you what. To, to, in my book, and, and I'm just going to pile on to what you just said there, in my book, the, the, the stat of the game is zero, and, and, and here's what I mean by that. In the third quarter, LSU possessed the ball 12 minutes and 32 seconds. It's a 15-minute quarter, right? They had one. There were there were four possessions. We had two that were three and out punts, so we held the ball just not even two and a half minutes. They had a 13-play drive that went 40 yards, 
and and this one kind of bled into the uh, you know the the early part of the fourth quarter. But they had an eleven play drive for forty yards. So in in sort of in the context of the third quarter, they had twenty four plays that they ran. Hey, let me pause you. Let me pause you a quick second. Listen, to what you just said, man. How often is that? Twenty four plays, and they only went eighty yards. Well, <laughs> right, and so that's a lot of effort being expended. That's a lot of battering ram, like you said, and that's a lot of tenacity on the defense. Because Tommy, here, here's here's where I'm going. They possess the ball twelve and a half minutes. They have two, you know, drives of substance. Thirteen plays and eleven plays. And they get zero points to show for it. And their whole MO, like Danielson said, is to cash in on those kind of drives. And they were unable – and if they had cashed in on those drives, they win the game. And they were unable to cash in on those drives. They were unable to cash in uh, – you know, they got a field goal in in the fourth quarter. Uh, That's all they had to show for all of that battering ram effort. And so zero – points allowed by the Alabama defense in the third quarter to me is the stat of the game. Well, it is. They um they 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 were able, you know, LSU was able to get that one field goal to tie it up. Um but then they were able, you know, but then on that next drive we we were able to uh to hold them to a punt which was huge and um and 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 keep the Alabama, you know, team in this game. Uh, with them only able to get in the one field goal to to go into the fourth quarter tied up ten all, and then you know when we fumbled the ball and with a minute left in the game, you know they had just shown the the video right of all the heartbreaking ways that we had lost these games right. Yep. I mean John Parker Wilson fumbled the ball. Spencer Pennington, remember that name? Oh, fumbled goodness, the ball. Yep. You know, we we had the we, how many times have we seen fumbles deep in our territory sure. in this you know in this past decade, and uh, games have not gone our way um, in that regard, and so for them to for them to buck up at the end of the game with a minute left, and and hold them to a field goal is huge, was, and so yeah. and so so to your point, they gave up one field goal in the third quarter and one field goal in the fourth quarter, and that was it, and um, and LSU had eighty. Two plays. Let, let me also let me also point out that you know this defense, um, and and I know and I know you want to touch on this here in just a second, but they had eighty two plays and only gave up two hundred and fifty six yards. Yep. Now, unfortunately, in the past few weeks, they've gone from averaging about fifty five yard uh, uh, plays against them. Uh, Arkansas, they went up to seventy nine. Texas A and M was fifty five. Tennessee, they jumped back up to seventy nine, and now LSU eighty two. So it 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 also puts an exclamation point that three of the past four games now the defense has had to be on the field for right at eighty plays, and they still came through like they did. So uh, talk to the listeners about what that what that means going forward here. Well, yeah, you're definitely reading my mail on this. Uh, you know, two years ago. When uh, when we played LSU and we won the game on uh, T.J. Yeldon's, uh, you know, freshman T.J. Yeldon's uh, play, we were averaging defensive snaps uh, going into that LSU game, 53 snaps per game, and we played 88 defensive snaps 
against that LSU uh, against that LSU team that night. That was a close back and forth game, and so those were starter snaps. There were rotation, but those were your top tier guys. And so we ended up playing more than a half of an extra ball game. Uh, you you know the differentials there's 35 right and so we'd been averaging 53 and you add on an extra 35 plays uh, with your your starters uh, you've in fact you know you've uh, in effect played an extra half of uh, of football with your starters and uh, we proceed that next week to lose to Texas A&M uh, you know Johnny Manziel in uh, in Tuscaloosa and you know the concept was or my theory was is because we were just so gassed. It was like we had played six overtimes, uh, and you know teams that that do that typically struggle that next week. And so you know we talked about it. I shouldn't have told you what I wanted to do because you you went and did it. Uh, but you know what were we averaging snap wise uh, before the LSU game versus you know what we what we did uh, against LSU, and so we were averaging sixty two. So that's a bigger number than the 53. The differential's uh, not as stark, uh, so that's good, I guess. Uh, but we've been averaging 62 uh, defensive snaps per game, and, and we did you know 82 in this game, so 20 uh, additional. You know, we've had we did have the two games, uh, you know, Arkansas and Tennessee, uh, I guess back to back, in which uh, or nearly back to back, in which uh, we ran 79 plays, and so. And those would have been starter level, you know, snaps as well. So maybe I don't feel as bad uh, as I did, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. But that's something we have to take into account. And you know, you you and I were still watching the post game, and I said, you know, everyone gets an ice bath. Everyone get off the field and go get an ice bath. Everyone just, you know, let's start the recoup for next week now. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're not still hearing about all these plays as we get into, you know, Wednesday and Thursday. Let's just turn the page and move forward because we've still got a lot of opportunity. This team still has a tremendous amount of opportunity. So we just not not need to get too caught up in this win because uh, we don't want this win to cost us the next game, kind of like I feel it did a couple of years ago. No, absolutely. What else jumped out at you on the defensive side of the ball well, I've got I've got you know maybe four just kind of you know quick hit topics. Uh, let me just throw them out there, and then you can react to the ones that uh, you're intrigued by. You know, Reggie Ragland had his best uh, day, 13 tackles, and then after the game, you revealed, oh, we're learning bad news about Ragland. He played the game with a broken hand. <laughs> I said, well, you tell me where the bad news is on that because he had his best day with a broken hand. So you know, maybe I need to go slam a door on my hand or something because. Uh, you know, if he can replicate that performance, you know, hand or not, then then uh, you know it's evidence that he continues to get uh, better and better. Uh, Eddie Jackson with the, his uh, interception and his colorful quote uh, that he uh, on the sideline said three different times to three different uh, people about pushing down the receiver in the colorfully way in which he said it that we will not repeat. Uh, but it's there. Uh, and he was very proud to say he had pushed down the receiver and yes, was able to get yes. away with and, it. And the flavor with which he did that is something that we could not get away with. And so real quick, so real quick, you you talked about Amari Cooper, right? And if it was it was an NFL way to get separation, is this the NFL way that a cornerback should push a wide receiver down and do it discreetly? No, I I think that. Uh, <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think that I, th- I think the receiver legitimately slipped. 
Uh, I I think that if Eddie Jackson had not touched him, uh, he probably still would have slipped. I think Eddie Jackson is taking credit for something that maybe he didn't he didn't necessarily do. Uh, it's just fun to go back and kind of brag he about it. He had a hand on him. He had a hand on him. I, we don't we don't know how much the force was, but uh, I think he could have possibly got an assist on that one. Well, I I don't know, but um, <clears throat> but it, you know he said something, and you were like he said this yes and um and then I he said, said no, he didn't. this again and, and so we proceeded to rewind it and clearly enough he did and um you won't catch us saying that but if you you want to go back and look at that you know i would encourage it it was you know, funny it was it was it was funny come on it was funny <laughs> uh he was hey, very he proud gotta, of he, it the he, fact he, that he said it three different times to three different people he was very proud that he had pushed that fella down Yes, um, that he had pushed that fellow down. Yes, and uh, and then so Jaron Reed had a big day. And then when we talk about Jaron Reed, I want to talk about Brandon Ivory because uh, we were both look. We, we weren't surprised to see Brandon Ivory in the middle because it's a big body game. We know that we're going to play. You know, Darren Lake, uh, you know, got as many snaps as he's seen all season. Brandon Ivory, you could probably say the same. And against LSU, you know that the big bodies are going to get the snaps. I was surprised. And I think you were as well that Brandon started uh, at at the nose instead of spelled uh, Jaron Reed at the nose. And so, um, you well, know, any of those topics that. you you want to you can kind of play with. But any of those topics, those are some things that I saw on defense. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, you know, he he did get the start at, at nose, but Jaron Reed and Ashawn Robinson started next to him. And so the the stat line shows it as a as a three four look right. Mm-hmm. So it shows Ashawn and Brandon Ivory and Jaron Reed. So what's interesting about that is those three guys have been rotating in two positions. Yes. And so we just saw all three of them in this game. And so I went back because I was curious. It's Brandon Ivory. It's 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 his third start of the season. Um, he started against Florida uh, Atlantic in game two. And he started against Arkansas. So this was his third start of the year. So uh, I, I think it has everything to do with what you said as, as far as, you know, what we were expecting to get. I will say that when Jaron Reed was – would instead of a 3-4 look, when we were showing a four-down line look and we were showing um, Sean and Jaron Reed as the two interior guys, I felt like we held the point of attack – Yes. Uh, a little differently. Uh, there was one play that we saw that Brandon Ivory, you know, came through and and not only shed his guy but made the tackle. Yes, and so uh, that was good to see, and I hope that continues. I thought that Xavier Dixon, you know, had a quiet game as far as on the as far as you know as far as the 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 eye the eye catching, if you would. Um, but I felt like that in a in a difficult game. Um, like this with 56 running plays, um, I felt like he did a an adequate job of because uh, he was undersized uh, for this kind of attack. Sure, um, and I felt like he did a good job of of holding the point of attack, and so he didn't fill up the stat sheet like he has been doing. Um, but I thought that uh, I thought that he did well. I was surprised that we didn't see much of the backups. We didn't see much Tim Williams. We didn't see Rashawn Evans. You know, Denzel Duvall got the start, and uh, he got a lot of the snaps. Um, I thought they would work him gradually back in. 
they put him right back in the rotation where he was before. Yeah, they they absolutely did. Uh, we saw much uh, mu- much less of uh, Ryan Anderson, and uh, you know that again that could be a function of this opponent. Uh, we want our bigger uh, linebacker in there as opposed to maybe our, our quicker uh, linebacker in there. Uh, set you know helping to set that edge, and and if we're going to play d- three down, then we want a beefier linebacker. Uh, walking up on on that ledge, and so you know, almost more like a high tower as opposed to uh, you know somebody else. But um, you know, I I guess in that sense, I wasn't surprised. But um, yeah, it's good to see Denzel back. I'm I'm definitely glad that uh, that he's back. Uh, I probably thought we would have eased him in a little bit, but this type of opponent, yeah, I can see where we would want his big body in there. Hey, um, I do want to I want I do want to comment on Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson got some run in the rotation yes. uh, just because there was so many offensive plays and so many two tight end fullback formations or I formations. I thought he had a good day. He had two tackles for loss and he didn't get a lot of snaps. And so uh, I'd like him to get worked into that rotation instead of it being just the Jaron Reed, uh, Brandon Ivory, Ashawn Robinson show. I'd like Tomlinson to get some play in the interior and, and make it a four-person interior rotation. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, I want to throw a little love uh, to Jonathan uh, Jonathan Allen. I think he had, uh, you know, a good day. Didn't necessarily fill up the the stats, but he had a good tackle for loss. Uh, you know, loss of nine yards. So I'd, you know, give him some credit, too. I think he had some good run. Again, it, it goes back to I think we have some numbers there on uh, the defensive front. We needed the bigger, uh, you know, we're recruiting almost two types of, of defensive linemen. Uh, the big defensive tackles uh, that we can we can load up on. And, you know, you take Jaron uh, and Ivory and Ashawn, you've got three massive defensive tackles that uh, that can play and then we're getting more than nimble defensive ends that uh, sometimes we'll play them at the tackle positions depending upon the opponent and so you've got some of those guys uh you know we talked about brandon ivory and and uh and lake darren lake getting more run than they have against any other team well so that's sort of this other side of the coin when you look at uh, jonathan allen and tim williams and some of the other guys getting a little less run because you know we're recruiting the two different types of opponent, and so uh, the beefier guys got to play Saturday. Oh, sure, and and this this ties back a little bit to your point about two years ago. Uh, uh, you know, the eighty-eight offensive plays that LSU ran. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, we have more serviceable depth now on our front seven than we did two years ago. So as I look at the stat sheet and I see twenty-one defensive players who got defensive stats, not special teams, but defensive stats, 21 guys, right? You can only start 11. So hopefully that bodes well to having to have 82 plays on defense that we do have more guys that that got run because you and I both know two years ago we didn't have four or five interior defensive linemen that we felt comfortable playing. It was the Jesse Williams show. Yeah, you know what, and that makes a great point. Let's kind of marry those two points together, right? Uh, not only do we have more people, but they're diverse. Uh, you know, we talked about, you know, the big bodies versus the nimble bodies. Uh, we have some of each, and we played more of the big bodies because we played LSU, well, against Mississippi State and and Dak Prescott were more likely to need uh, more of the nimble bodies. 
And so you could say that, in you know, the situation is is very different now. In that, that's fine. We've exhausted our big bodies. We're going to need them, but we'll need them less. Now we can give a lot of run to the guys who did not play as much against LSU. And uh, so maybe not only the numbers, but the types of numbers that we have uh, helps us. So maybe Denzel Duvall doesn't need to play the whole game against Mississippi State. We can give Ryan Anderson some more of the run and kind of offset. Now some guys we can't offset. Some guys, you know, Ragland's going to play. Uh, you sure, know, but, but uh, Tim Williams and Rayshon Evans rushing off the edge against Dak Prescott are going to be fresh because they didn't play much in this ball game. Yep, yep. So I think uh, I, I do think that uh, it's not just a bunch of more numbers, but it's the type of numbers that really maybe allow us to match up uh, a little bit better. I'm saying that realizing that I probably have a, a little bit of hopefulness there, but sure. uh, you know we kind of look for, and this is what we do, right? We kind of look for you know, some concepts and theories that uh, that we have. And so I think there's an opportunity. I think we're better equipped to, for these kind of back-to-back games now than we were a couple years ago, even though a couple years ago maybe we had a better nose guard as a singular position. But I like our defensive front across the board better now. Oh, no, absolutely. Hey, one other thing I want to mention real quick on defense is, um, you know, they had a quarterback who's obviously a running quarterback uh, he was 2 of 10 passing the ball in the first half. He finished the game 8 out of 26. We were sitting there running a dime defense with Trey DePriest as our sole linebacker. They were, in that third quarter, they were they were motioning the running back into the flats to take Trey out of the middle of the field. We had nobody within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. And they kept doing a, a design run on third and short and picking up subsequent first downs. And you and I were sitting here screaming at the TV saying, get a safety in the box. Get Landon Collins in the box at the linebacker position and stop that crap. And sure enough, after the second or third time they did it, they adjusted and shut it down. And yeah. so I want to mention that real quick. No, I think you're right. You know, we had we were playing a two-deep shell uh, with with the safeties, and you know the whole middle of the field was was available for them to run, and and why not take advantage of it? And certainly, certainly they did. Uh, we adjusted, you know, and it's a formation that we've talked about moving Landon Collins in the box almost as if he's an outside linebacker, and uh, it it seemed to shut down that run, uh, that quarterback run, uh, pretty quick, almost like turning off a faucet. You know the opportunities that they had. Uh, were, were much uh, much diminished, but it's surprising. Why would you run a two deep shell on you know a second and short uh, with a quarterback who's struggling to pass the ball? I just don't understand that. I and I get we'd rather err on you know let's keep the play in front of us. I do get that, but. I don't know. I, not on I the would quarter, have maybe not kept a, I would have kept a single high, but I don't see going double or too high in that in that in that situation. How do you go too high on a quarterback that was two for ten in the first half? Right? I, How do I you just, do that? He's not a passing quarterback. Hey, quickly before I forget, I want to say with five minutes left in the game, when I thought we had lost the game the first time, um, their their stud freshman Fournette, they got the ball on the thirty three yard line. First and 10, he rushes for six yards. It is second and four at the 39. I'm like, crap, they just got six yards on first down, and now they got 
three downs to get four yards because you know mm-hmm. that he's going to go for it on fourth down. Second and four, they run the ball. Trey DePriest is in the middle of the defense. Landon Collins is 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. He sees and anticipates, and he runs and gets to the hole before Trey DePriest does, and Trey DePriest has a nine-yard head start on him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't wrap up, which I wish he did, but he does lower his helmet, and he thumps the guy for no gain. And I just wanted to comment that, that that was a huge-ass play sure. on second and four, and that they could have sat there and got a few first downs and kicked the game-winning field goal. Yep. Huge play. I agree. I agree. You got anything else on the defense, or you want to take us to mini game ball? Man, there were so many great defensive plays. We could keep going, but we'll go ahead and go mini game ball here. Um, you know, mini game ball, I'm going to steal yours now. I hope this is yours. If this isn't yours and you just scratch out your name and write this name, Jaron Reed deserves the mini game ball. He deserves the mini game ball of all mini game balls this season. When I went back and saw on the stat sheet, that he had two solo tackles and 13 assists, I said this had to be a typo. Are you kidding me? A nose guard has 15 tackles and leads the stat sheet? That is freaking awesome. So then I went, so then I went back and looked at another sheet. Jaron Reed only has 35 tackles on the year, and he got 15 of them in this LSU ballgame. I get that they ran the ball up the middle 56 times. I get that. But still, without Jaron Reed, we lose this ball game. And we probably lose it by 10 points. I love Jaron Reed. I am going uh, a little more subtle on my mini game ball. I'm not going to the top of You say I'm breaking it by giving it. You went to the top of the stat sheet and gave, gave a mini game ball. So I'm A nose guard. Out. Come on, man. I, 15 hey. tackles from a nose guard? Are you kidding me? I love the kid. That's right? never happened at Alabama. I, hey, never. I, I'd, I'd go back to our uh, recruiting show. I said he'd be a top five impact player. So uh, you're just validating uh, You're just validating uh, that, that content. But uh, I'm going to go a little more subtle on my mini game ball. I am giving, and you probably know what I'm going to do here. I am giving my mini game ball to Ashawn Robinson for his acting on the personal foul on uh, the fir- the f- uh, the first down after uh, Yeldon's fumble. Uh, it was a fumble on the six, and so you're talking about they're running at six yards a clip. Well, here's four downs on the six to get the touchdown that would have won the game, and. Uh, on the first play, we stone the running back uh, for no gain, and so there's some a little bit of m- emotion there at uh, the line of scrimmage. Uh, and Vidal Alexander, uh, uh, one of their uh, one of their better offensive linemen, uh, gives a little bit of a shove to Ashawn Robinson. And Ashawn Robinson, you would have thought he got hit by a Mack truck because uh, he flailed, and uh, and and at one angle it looked, you know. Like, oh, yeah, you got to flag that. At another angle, it looked much less significant. Uh, but uh, but he, he did a little bit of a flail. The flags come out, uh, personal foul. So now it's first, uh, now it's, uh, I guess, second down on the 21-yard line. Second and goal. Second <laughs> goal on the 21-yard line, which is a different ball game. It's a different animal together, uh, altogether. And so 
They had to uh, – LSU then had to kick a field goal. It was the go-ahead field goal. Still could have won them the game. But uh, that gave us uh, – I think that sparked a little bit of confidence that you know we were able to hold them. And that's what Saban said. Hold them to a field goal. We're going to drive down and tie the game up. And so when things kind of come together – you know, you kind of buy in and some confidence. And when and when that happened, uh, we held them, held them to a field goal. The offense said, "Okay, here's what we've got to go do," and they and they did it. If Ashawn doesn't help draw that flag, I think the outcome we lose is the ball game. Yep. So we lose the ball game. Yep. So I'm going deep cover there on my uh, my mini game ball because I told you I said, "Look, we won't hear about this anywhere. The commentators aren't talking about it." But we that's another play that we rewound a couple times. Yep. I think he's faking that one, and um, you know I haven't read all the news articles that have been published, but I I told you, you I said, look, it. we won't hear about this anywhere, and uh, and 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 if I'm wrong, send me the link because I want to read the article, but uh, I've not seen it. I've not seen you know any anyone mention it, and uh, I think that's worthy of. Uh, uh, in fact, I've got an article coming out on Bama Hammer that's going to talk to it, and uh, one of the things that uh, I mentioned there is you know. You know, Daniel Moore's not going to uh, paint a picture of Ashawn's Robinson's, you know, flail in Death Valley. But without that play, uh, I don't think we win this game. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. And wouldn't that be an awesome Daniel Moore print? Oh, that would be. That would be indeed, man. The uh, let, Let's talk some special teams here. Um, where, where do you want to go first with special teams? You You've been asking to see your punter. Um, I'm tired of you asking to see your punter because you're getting what you asked for. And uh, we better not see J.K. Scott for nine punts, you know, combined in the next three ball games. Well, yeah, I, I didn't want to see uh, I didn't want to see nine instances of him punting. Uh, but, you know, he averaged, you know, 48 and a half yards uh, across nine punts. Uh, at one point, uh, the commentators uh, said that, you know, J.K.'s having a bad day. He's only averaging 42 yards, <laughs> and and you know it's as funny as it sounds because we had you know we've had heroes that they were averaging 42 yards out of the punter position, and so the fact that he had nine for for almost 47 uh, is pretty darn impressive. Uh, I'd like to see three averaging 47, and you know instead of nine, but uh, you know that's what we got, and uh, and he helped us he helped us flip the field a, a couple of times. No, absolutely. Um, talk a little bit about uh, Adam Griffith. Um, you know the the decision to to not have him come back out there and uh, and try a, a consecutive field goal after the short miss. Uh, what what did you think about um, what did you think about uh, not having him come back out there at that point? I thought at the time that it was the right thing to do. Doesn't have to be a knock on the kicker. I just think in a game like this, uh, you're struggling to move the ball at all, and you have an opportunity to tr- to you know try to get a, a full touchdown. Uh, you could argue you, you take points when you can get them, and that's you know that's a fair argument too. But I think uh, I think we desperately wanted the uh, the touchdown there, so I don't feel so bad about that. Uh, Adam Griffith, you know, to me is an enigma. Uh, there are parts of the season very early. I was kind of nervous. What do we got? Uh, he made a lot of kicks, man. I thought this guy's money. Uh, he's had some little bit of time where I'm not sure how confident I am in him. Uh, he misses his first kick. Uh, I, 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 and in, in any, you know, we purposely make the decision for whatever reason not to put him out there the second time. 
And and I tell you, I think the kids are going to lose his job. But then he comes out and hits two more field goals. And uh, and the one to tie the game was seven seconds left. Um, I don't know. That's a that, pressure kick. Yeah, I don't know that there's a, a, a kick with that much pressure that uh, that we've had this season. And uh, and he drilled it true, and it was an off angle, and you know all the different things that uh, that you could think to want to say about it. He nailed it. So, you know, I guess next time he goes out there, I don't know how I'm going to feel, but uh, you know he has demonstrated that he's capable of hitting some big kicks. So you got to give him a, a pat on the back. You know, two other things that I'd call out on special teams. Um, it's never good when you know who the long snapper is. And I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because you and I are always going to know who the long snapper is. But uh, when a long snapper uh, sort of has his name called, it's Three never a good thing. Three different times. What's that? Three different times Three. because he made three tackles. Yeah, it's cute when when the long snapper gets down there and does it once because he's hustle. He's always down near the ball because he's actually kind of the first one off off the ball sometimes. Uh, you know, running he has down nobody the, in front of him. Right, right. and so uh, you know, and it's cute when he does it. Uh, you know, once a month, but you know, three tackles. I thought that was a little much. It's not his fault. I'm not mad at him, but I think no, there's some coverage to, things to, to yes. talk about there. But yes. I'll say this, and and we we both commented on this, and 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 you were a little You're more negative. Steal my thunder, man. I know you are. Go ahead. Well, then you take it. You take it. You know where I'm going. You going, Reuben Foster? You got to go, Reuben Foster. Man, go ahead. I'll let you go with it. I'll I'll, I'll pile on in a minute. Go ahead. No, I just think that. Uh, uh, you know, he's got to see what is tackling. Uh, I wish, I wish he would uh, correct himself there, but when he laid the wood, uh, to, to Fournette on, uh, that kick return and just stopped him cold, Reuben Foster must be a very popular player, uh, on the team because he, when he makes a big play, everybody on the roster celebrates with him. And so when he made, you know, anybody could have made a big hit there and it would have been nice. But there was just a little extra mustard to him making that play, and that just sort of inciting the whole the whole team, the whole roster. And Man. Uh, we kind of kidded that this might be the spark. This might be the spark. And uh, there's a part of me that thinks that it was. I'm going to tell you that if Jaron Reed had not had 13 assisted tackles, I was going to give Reuben Foster my game ball from special teams on defense because of that play. Sure. Because you and I didn't get to be there live, so we didn't get to see the sideline action that we read about. But there is but a saw, lot of people. We saw on the field. We did see yes. what they showed, and it was yes. it was bigger than just woohoo, big tackle. It, I mean, was. it was. It was it, pronounced. It was. It was pronounced like he had done at the home games, right? Yes. And um, and so I do think there is something to be said. That um it that 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 definitely was a spark. And 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 Saban even said that he was trying to give some in, in his post game press conference. He talked about excitement. I'm trying to give these guys some excitement. I'm going up and down the field. I'm trying to get the assistant coaches to get some to get some life in things. I think Reuben Foster inserted some life into this team that they did not have at a very critical moment with three seconds left in regulation. Yeah, and 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 can do it in a way. A, a fellow player can do it in a way that a coach can't. A coach is trying to give you motivation. A player makes a play like that, and the wellspring of motivation within each of the individual players sort of kicks on. 
Uh, it's a different kind of motivation. And, uh, and, I, and I do think it was a spark. I do think it, it fired up the team. And sort of how long that sort of persisted, I, I don't know. But sometimes that, that can feed upon itself. You know, one good play gets another good play gets another good play. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think it was big. It, it, was, it was very big. And uh, real quick, put him in your category of players people are going to forget about. Five-star stud, number one player in the country, could have gone to Auburn, comes to Alabama. When he gets the whole skill set of being a linebacker, watch out. Yeah. This kid will make an impact before he's done. I hope so. I hope so, and, and we've talked about that. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely uh, I definitely hope so. I like what he's doing on uh, special teams, though. Um, <clears throat> anything else uh, you want to cover or you want to jump to uh, Mississippi No, man, State? let's jump to Mississippi State, man. I'm nervous about this game now. I, I felt really good about this game prior to this LSU ball game, um, but now we get to face Tim Tebow Jr. Um, this kid, when I've gotten to watch a few of their games – He's running through the middle of the defense. These DBs aren't tackling with their arms. They're just trying to bounce off of him. And they're truly bouncing off of him like little kids. Sure. And um, this guy has shown that he uh, is a better passing quarterback now than he was. Uh, He's still not your pocket presence quarterback. Um, But this is is a challenge that we have not – this is a combination of skill set that we have not seen this year. And um, this is not – you know, I'd rather be playing these guys after a bye or after a Western Carolina than playing this particular team after LSU right now. Yeah, we've got uh, you know this home stretch that uh, that we've got you know four games and you know fortunately you know we've got to win them all and so we won LSU. Uh, you know we've got three left and you know Mississippi State and Auburn are two of them. Uh, we still got our work cut out for us. But and and that's why I think for all the rankings and everybody's sort of getting their panties in a wad about not being in the top four and and all that stuff, man. Let's just go to work every day because that final four will take care of itself if we take care of what we need to take care of. I mean, we'll be skyrocketed right up near uh, the, the the top of uh, top of the list. So let's just do what we need to do, and and we'll be right there where where we need to be. Um, but yeah, this Mississippi State team, you know, they're tough, they're physical. Uh, they've, they've, they, you know, they played us last, they played us tough last year, uh, in Starkville. Uh, I don't think we gave, I, I think we were a little flat. Uh, I think we need to have the appropriate amount of, uh, emotion for this game. I think it's significant, uh, to come back and play this game in Tuscaloosa. Uh, if we were in Starkville next week, um, I, I, I don't know that we would win that game just to, just to be blunt. Uh, but coming back to Tuscaloosa with the emotion, our team plays so much better in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think that we will win the game. I just think it's going to be a hard-fought uh, game. It might be a 24 to 17, 24 to you know 20 type of ball game, but uh, I, I do think we pull this one out. It's just another nail biter, um, you know, type game. I'm just glad this one's in Tuscaloosa. No, absolutely, man. I get to hear less of those damn cowbells that, that drive me crazy. <laughs> um, you know, so that's kudos in itself. No, the, you know, Mississippi State, man, this is this is an interesting opponent. This is they got a big physical offensive line. 
Uh, they've got two really good running backs. Um, one, you know, one's a bowling ball, low center of gravity, yep. uh, who's made some phenomenal runs. Um, they don't have the big physical, you know, six foot five, two hundred and forty pound wide receiver matchup. So that's good that we don't have to worry about that. Um, I just, I really think what's going to help us the most in this ball game is what you said earlier about different skill sets. The fact that we can run a Jonathan Allen and a DJ Petaway out there one minute and a Tim Williams and a Rashawn Evans around the edge to his blind side on third and 10, we're going to need all these horses. And I think the fact that we can run all this stuff at him is, uh, makes me feel a little bit better about this. If we'll do it, I mean, you're naming names that we know are on the roster. We know what, uh, or at least we think we know what they're capable of. They don't always play a whole lot. Um, and so if we will do that to mix it up, uh, I think that it will go a long way. Uh, you know, it's one thing to give different looks. Are they in a nickel? Are they in a, you know, four DBs? Did they go to dime? But it's a whole other sort of level to think about the different looks that we can give across the defensive front. You know, they're in their you know, beef package, they're in their rabbit package, they're in this this really get after them attack mode uh, uh, package in, in terms of getting after uh, the quarterback. Uh, I think we have a lot of versatility there. And uh, if we will use it, and I think that we will, but if we, if, we, if we use it, that'll give Dak a lot more to think about there at the line of scrimmage. Well, I just want to put pressure on him. Um, I want to make him make decisions very quickly. I don't want to sit back. I'd like to see some press man on the corners, and I'd like us to come with six and come with seven and just do some sellout blitzes. I really want us to go after him and uh, and make him make the perfect decision very quickly. What kind of score prediction you got for this? Man, um, you know, I, I think this is going to be one of those games that is going to be um, very low scoring early. Um, it's going to, you know, we're going to have to get a touchdown in the fourth quarter to, to put this game on ice. Um, I think this is going to be like a, I think this is going to be like a 20 to 13 ball game, uh, or maybe even 2016 Alabama scores a, a touchdown in the fourth quarter to, to come back and win this one. I, I really think this is going to be that close. Okay. All right. No, man, I'm ready to get past this one. I'm ready for Western Carolina and uh, get some guys healthy again for uh, uh, for Auburn. I will say very quickly that I'm glad to hear that Brian Vogler uh, was held back in this game and uh, didn't play much by design. Coach said that he's looking better today. Uh, I think we're really going to need him in this running game, and so uh, I look forward to seeing him back out there for Mississippi State. Yeah, I want this to be a long, restful week. Uh, if the athletic department's uh, chauffeur and all the players to class with golf carts, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I hear you, man. Very good. Hey, I want to do uh, something. We do this every time uh, that uh, every time that we get to, and I'm glad that we get to. But uh, I want to. Uh, we got a new review on uh, iTunes, and so uh, I want to share that with everyone. Another five star review. Uh, these are flattering and encouraging when they come. These guys are good. Uh, this is Chip uh, Whalenmeyer. He says he's stationed uh, over here in Italy, and so I just want to pause right there. That starts to sound like military. Uh, we've gotten a number of uh, of comments 
kind of over the years that uh, that are military. And so I just want to give a tip of the hat to uh, the veterans out there. Thank you for what you do. But uh, stationed here in Italy, uh, I only get one shot to watch Alabama play, and it's usually about 2 in the morning. Le- needless to say, uh, while I'm there for each and every game, I sometimes miss some of the nuances uh, that I might usually catch. These guys do a fantastic job of breaking down the game and giving me all the things to look for so uh, I can watch improvements or concerns that our team has. Thank you guys for what you do. Uh, gives me a little slice of home. Again, that's very flattering. And uh, he says this is a must-have podcast for the f- serious Alabama fans. So, Chip, we greatly appreciate it. We greatly appreciate your service, uh, as with all of the veterans. Uh, thank you for that. And I just encourage you guys, if you enjoy what we're doing here, we certainly thank you for that. Go to iTunes. If you look in iTunes, we're the number one ranked podcast for Alabama football, uh, which is fantastic. But if you if you look under college football, which is a much broader uh, topic, uh, we're kind of bouncing around 13, 14, kind of in that area. And uh, that's very flattering uh, with some of the competition that's out there and some of it that, uh, that we're performing very well against. But if, you'll, if, if you want to help us, Go leave us a review because that factors into the metrics that uh, iTunes has and how they rank uh, shows is the type of reviews uh, and feedback that people are getting. So if you like what we're doing, go go leave us an authentic review. Uh, tell us what you think, and uh, that can help boop, uh, boost us in the ratings, and uh, maybe some additional folks will find us. So we'll appreciate what you do there. But, uh, yeah, a long, restful week for the team, and uh, get ready to face uh, the bullies of uh, Mississippi State. Uh, CBS uh, CBS game on Saturday. With that, that's another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.